0: Welcome to the Milestone Church podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages.
1: I wanna take you to value number one this week. Value number one for us is so critical. It's so foundational and and I wanna, I wanna take you right into talking about really how this value can be part of your life, not the concept of the value, but I want to activate the value in your life. And value number one for us, and you can go to the chapter this week, value number one is the Bible. It's the Bible. Now, right off the bat, you're like, are we gonna preach a message on the Bible? By the way, we don't worship the Bible. We worship the God that the Bible reveals to us. We worship Jesus who is ultimately the main superstar of the Bible. And it's amazing how the Bible in its cohesiveness communicates about one message in one person. Some call it the crimson thread that runs through the Bible that leads us all to this crescendo moment of the death, burial, resurrection, perfect sinless life of Jesus Christ who comes into our life to do what we can't do for ourselves, and that is redeem us, save us, and ultimately bring us back into relationship with the God who created us. I could spend my time, the truth is, my message could be a series And in previous services, when I went too long, they called it a series. But anyway, I'm gonna try to not do that. But I will tell you this, it's hard to take just a little moment with you and communicate to you the value of this Bible in our lives. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to not just spend my time. I could, it might be good. Some of you might feel equipped by it. I could spend my time defending the strength and authenticity and validity and authority of this book. The Bible, the word, means book. It's the book of all books, by the way. It's the number one best-selling book of all time. Every year, it is the number one book sold. But I wanna not just spend time talking to you about its validity. Um, um, We could go into uh, the supernatural way in which the pages came together. It's called canonization and how it It came together with multiple authors, inspired by the Holy Spirit, one cohesive message, truths that follow all the way through its pages from the beginning to the end, the way it addresses every topic, the way it gives validity to God's perspective on everything from creation to death, from birth to marriage to sexuality, to business, to finances, to parenting, to the home, to the way to treat your neighbor, to the way to love your, the people around you. It addresses every single topic. I would love to spend some time talking to you about its awesome validity and authority. I would really like to focus, though, on where you really live. And where you really live is, it's the number one best-selling book of all time. Most of us have a few. And now we live in a day where you can get it on your phone or your iPad. You can even out of convenience, let someone with a nice Hollywood voice, hello, praise God, read it to you every morning. You can have it read to you. But the simple fact is with all of its power and most people I'm talking to would say, there's some good stuff in there at least. Some would say it is the very word of God but the reality is with all of its availability, very few people in our culture today actually know authoritatively what it says or engage with it on a routine basis. So it becomes something of power that lives at arm's length of our life that never becomes part of our soul and our spirit and our life. And so my desire for this message is to show you what it does that nothing else can do. I know we would tend to turn to YouTube or we would turn to Google or the internet or to some expert or to a pundit or to a correspondent or some way to research our way into truths that I would share with you, they are all found right here in the Word of God. What does the Word of God do that nothing else can do? Well, it says of itself, it endures forever. It endures forever, nothing else can make that claim. I will not endure forever. I love being your pastor, I love preaching to you. And anything that I say, as I've done at the first 101 to everyone like the one I'll do today, I sit under the authority of this word. What's really kind of sometimes disheartening is someone comes out, nice talk, pastor. I say, what'd you get out of it? They say, hey, you've been going to the barbershop. I'm like, oh man, come on. I want you to get a little more than that. It's great to have the stories. It's great to have the environment. It's great to have worship. It's great to have the music. It's great to have all the things that we get to experience, but at the end of the day, it's the word of God that endures forever. Everything we're doing here is to get you connected to Jesus and his word so that you have that as a part of your everyday life because it's the word of God that endures forever. We live in a customized world today where we can pick and choose our buffet of options. We have our customized music. We have our customized streaming options of our television of how we wanna watch it. We have our customized drinks. If you wanna get frustrated, just take a Starbucks order for your family. You better have a pen and paper. You want what? I'll take one pump, no sugar, sugar sugar-free, gluten-free, milk-free, Venti, not tall, Brevé, what is that? (laughs) And it's like by the time you finish, it's like, huh? We've got so much different options of it. We're trying to remind ourselves we're actually trying to get coffee. You know what I found over the last, I've been pastoring for 30 years with all of our streaming options and devices and different ways to connect with the world of Christianity. With all of the songs and the music and the things and all the stuff and the conferences and the different things we can do, we have to be careful that our Christianity is very experientially encouraging, but it becomes word free. Because I want you to know all those things will not endure forever. But the word of God will endure forever. It's alive and active, it's alive. Every time you come to it, I've studied it since I was a kid, you come to it, it's afresh and it's alive. It can come to your current situation, your current circumstance. It can meet you right where you are. Why? It's alive, it's active, it's not stagnant. You may think it's just a set of stories and a bunch of antiquated principles, but it's alive and active. It will not return void as it says of itself in Isaiah. It's a seed, and when that seed is sown in the heart, it's doing work. I wanna encourage you as a parent, you're putting the seed of the Word of God in your kids. I've been recently sharing this to multiple young families. We, 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 we already have so much cultural competition from getting your kids around the Word of God. I was at dinner last night and heard a family talking about, what are you doing tomorrow? We're doing baseball at 8 a.m. on Sunday. I appreciate baseball, I played baseball, my kids played football. But let me just tell you, how well you hit a ball is not going to, that will return void because you have a small percentage chance of being a professional baseball player. I know I'm meddling and I'm doing it on purpose. You better get your kids in church you better put the word of God in them because it's the word of God that will not return void. And you're like, well, I don't know if I'm seeing it right now. They're 16 years old and they became an expert. It's fine, they're brain dead for a little bit, but the word's working. I said the word's working right now. It's working on the inside of them. It will not return void. It's in there and it's growing even if you don't see it. It's growing in their soul. And it's anchoring stuff and it's trying to sprout up and they can try to push it down all they want to, but the word of God will not return void. It will not return void. I'm a product of the word. That's why I love Next Gen Weekend, what I see in this next generation. I love that the word is involved in their lives, that they're using it, that they're preaching it, that they're sharing it, that they're singing it. I watched last weekend, Next Gen Weekend, and I got emotional. I get, I get emotional about it because I see what the word of God's doing in this generation coming behind us. And I'm so thankful it's not just one weekend where we let them pass out bulletins. They're leading right now while I'm preaching. They're not, it's not children's church and you church. You don't have to wait till you're old to be great. They are the church and the word of God is happening on the inside of them just like it's happening on the inside of us. Man, it fires me up and by the way, they're good. There's some people doing this for a living to give them their job, but that's a different message, I'm just saying. They're good, and it's amazing. I'm a product of the Word. My mom walked to a little missionary Baptist church down the road from her house as a kid and met Jesus, and she gave me the Word. She, brought, she took me to church. My dad lost his dad. In a car accident at nine years old, he didn't have a dad. I think about the dad my dad was to me, who taught me about what it means to be a man of God, to live with integrity. I never heard him tell a lie. I never heard him say a cuss word. I never saw him drink an alcoholic beverage. He was old school, and his favorite phrase was, the word says. He was an old school man, probably from a different era. You say, how did he get that? Because he didn't have a dad. You know what I love about the word? It's an equal opportunity sower. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter if you come from riches or poverty. It doesn't matter if you had a great family or a terrible one. It doesn't matter if you had a great dad or a great mom or no dad or no mom that was present in your life. The Word of God, if you'll sow it in your heart, will work, there's no excuse for any of us, and I'm not being lack of compassion, we all face challenging circumstances, but the word is so effective, it doesn't matter what disadvantage we approach, ourselves, we approach our life with, the word of God will work for everyone, for kids, for adults, for male, female, no matter what station in life we're in, it works, because it doesn't return void. It's God breathed. It's God breathed and useful for teaching. It is the very words of God. I find people say, I wish I knew God's will. I wish I knew what God thinks. It's one of the number one questions I get. Pastor, should I marry Susie? Should I go to XYZ College? Will you pray for me, Pastor? What should I do with this situation, that situation? And, and, and most people believe, this is, there's so many common phrases attributed to the Bible that are not biblical. Here's one, God works in mysterious ways. Well, God is other. And he's God all by himself and his ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. But that very phrase, the thought of it actually makes us think that he is unapproachable and not able to be known. You know, the truth is the word of God is there in place. It's his very breath to us to say, you can know me. You don't have to live in some abstract reality with no clue of what he thinks or what his opinion is on the matter because he breathed on the words of those pages to say, here's who I am, here's what I think, here's what I value, here's what I see as right, here's what I see as wrong. He breathes on the very pages there and we can know him through them. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Every word of God is flawless, It's a shield to us. I love this Thessalonica church, what it says there. It says, it's not human words, but it is the word of God. They didn't receive it as just human words, but they received it as the word of God. God was really doing amazing things in this early church. And there was two things that were happening. It says that they did not just see this demonstration as just activity, but it was a demonstration of God's power. And then when it came to the word, they were receiving it not as human words, but God's word to them. A lot of people think Jesus was just kinda of had a little lamb around his shoulders and was kind of a little meek little shepherd and never said strong things. You know, one, in one place Jesus got really strong with religious Pharisees. He said, you know what, you don't know the scripture and you don't know the power of God. The Thessalonican church had God showing up huge in their world, why? they were receiving the power of God with the Word of God. You say, Pastor, what's something that I could bring into my home, my family, my business, my life? Look, if you started embracing the power of God and the Word of God, it's explosive. It's explosive. You start seeing God all around your life in multiple different ways. I love to not just talk to you about it. These are multiple verses, but in my final time, I want to keep working to make it real for you. Because really, my goal you're like, what's the goal of this whole message, Pastor? Wherever you're at, any campus, online, here's my goal that you would hear the word. So, so it's not just like words on a page, you would hear it. I know there's challenges today because we live in a less literary world. Very few people read anymore. I mean, I, I sell books. It's so discouraging sometimes. I'll sign a book. I'll be like, Will you, we 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 read it we actually read it well I don't, i'm not much of a reader you know it's our world is our attention spans we we we're, we're, we're in a struggle with our attention spans cuz our world now is she lost 15 pounds what are they doing on vacation hmm, yeah yeah a squirrel I know I have a very lofty goal for you as your pastor, that you might take that holy word, that you might, as Jesus says over and over, can you hear it? Can you hear it? See, you can listen and not hear, but you hear what God's saying to you, and I might even have a higher goal. You would actually do it. You would start doing it and then you begin to see God's wisdom in it all. You begin to see God's fruit in it. And oh man, you're, you're changed after that. I wanna spend the last few moments talking to you about how to engage, what happens when you engage, what happens when you read the Bible, what's taking place when you do, and give you a few coaching thoughts on how you are to engage with it. Number one, the Bible inspires us. That's what it does, 2 Timothy tells us there in that verse that it's God-breathed. Now, when I use the word inspire, We could easily deduce that word to a non-biblical concept that you think I'm talking about some kind of sentimental music that you feel better when you listen to, or just maybe some kind of of meme or something or a a cool artistic background. Not that, that those things can't be encouraging, but this word is, again, much more powerful, much deeper than just inspirational, if you will. It is the very breath of God. And so the the Bible is the very words of God, but maybe you're like most people I meet, it's like, I know it's God's word at some level, I know it's powerful, but why am I not receiving anything from it? Well, Well, maybe I could help you with the word. The word, how is it described in the Bible? There's the logos, and it actually gets sort of like interconnected there because in John 1, it says, the word came and dwelt among us. It's talking about the living word, Jesus, but then also we see the logos as the written word. We see the 2 Timothy three sixteen the word of God. And, and so we have Jesus, the living word. We have logos, the written word. Some of you may not be aware of this, but the Bible also refers to this word, the, the rhema word, so, so the Holy Spirit is, is active and, and the Word of God can come to you, the, the truth of God, because the Holy Spirit guides us into truth. So God can speak to you about that business meeting, about that issue with your child. God, God can speak to your child. God can show up and arrest them. God can speak to you. God's a communicator. And if we'll open ourselves up many times, again, he's, he's wanting to talk to us. You don't have to be your own directional expert. You can let him speak to you. However, the rhema word is in subjection to the character and nature of the living word, Jesus, and the written word. However, if you're having trouble receiving from the word, maybe you need to understand what's its ultimate purpose. It's not ultimately just an intellectual pursuit. It's there to reveal God to us. It's a relational book. So I would make a suggestion. Maybe you're watching online or somewhere. You're like, wow, I would like more of God's direction, God's will, God's guiding, uh, God's truth. I I want my kids to live by the Bible. I want them to know the Bible. I want them to be anchored. And, And you're like, but I'm having trouble, Pastor, getting traction. Well, maybe it's because You're having trouble with the written word because you're not submitted to the living word. It's amazing. In years and years of doing ministry with people, it's like, well, I don't know. I don't know, you know. And when you finally surrender, Jesus had my life. You open it up, you're like, wow. I'm getting something. Why? Because the whole thing is to lead you to a relationship. It's not just about the concepts and the stories. It's about the relationship with the living word, Jesus. If you're struggling to get something from the written word, do an investigation. Am I submitted to Jesus? When you go all in with him, he's gonna come live on the inside of you. His Holy Spirit's gonna start to work in your life. The Holy Spirit's gonna start to illuminate, start to give you understanding, and it's amazing how that will happen. But ultimately, it's when you fall in love with Jesus. Did you hear, Ginger, I just fell in love with Jesus. I just wanted to go talk to him. I just wanted to be with him. I just think about when I was dating my wife, Brandy, I, I mean, I, I, we, we entered into a relationship together early, you know, started dating and I, and, and I lived in Waco. I was at Baylor university, which really needs ministry and prayer right now. But anyway, losing, we, we lost to the Mormons, but anyway, uh, uh, but not as bad as the Aggies losing to App State. But anyway, I just, uh, sorry, I went there. Ah, ouch, ouch. But, um, I learned when I was in college that uh, I, I, I didn't know this, but there, there was this thing called email. Some of y'all are like, what is that? Uh, it, it's, like, it's like the email email is something we, we all know about, but you're like, oh my gosh. It's like you, you didn't know that that existed. I know young people might think that's the dinosaur age, but I found out at the library you could go and there's an Apple IIe and you could get, you got mail. And so Brandy and I, again, we would get to see each other, but then she would send me an email and we started with like snail mail. And then we started with like, you know, email and, and talking. And so I would go to the library and there'd be, you got mail, you know, and I was excited about it to connect with her. And I, you know, what I found was from my dorm at Penland there, it was a little ways to the library, but it, it. It wasn't a hard walk to get over there to that library to get that email, you got mail, why? Because on the other end of that email was a connection with someone that I wanted to spend time with. I would love for you to stop thinking about the word as just something that you have to do like eating your broccoli or going to the dentist, but it's like there's a mail, there's a a letter, there's a love letter, there's a relationship on the other end of that experience and that'll help you with your engagement with the word and so its primary goal is not just information but relationship the second thing is it changes us do you have anything in your life that you're like i wish i could be different in this area but i find myself struggling with it or i'm not able to overcome you know what what i'm trying to overcome you know and 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 so you find yourself working at it but not seeing any results. Did you know the word of God changes us? How does it do that though? You're like, okay, well it's a seed that goes into us. It's a word seed that starts to grow. It also, it changes our thinking and renews our mind so it changes our thought process. In the first first part of the chapter you'll read this week, I give you a continuum. It actually is found in the book of James on how our behaviors are influenced, okay? And it goes like this, you start with a thought, that thought becomes a belief, a belief becomes a desire, and then an action, and then an outcome. And so there's this continuum that takes place. I wanna encourage you, you're not what you feel. We live in a world today that actually validates that. If you feel it, it makes it right. If you feel it, then it needs to be validated. Live your own truth, you're actually feeling, your feelings are actually directing your life and you're in this progressive state of as you feel it, you are developing and morphing into more of maybe what you actually should have been all along. That's an absolute opposite concept of how the Bible paints the picture. The Bible actually says your heart is deceitful, your feelings can lead you astray, your feelings need to be submitted to God's truth and those thoughts are changed and renewed by the word of God. And so God begins to change us as he changes our thinking patterns and the way we see him, the way we see the world, the way we see our situation, he's, he's a lot smarter than us. And, and so it, it changes. I don't know you know, if I, I was just thinking this week, like what's a real hard biblical thing that if you just looked at it at face value, you kind of think it's crazy. There's a lot, by the way. I mean, I still read this Bible, you know, and it's like, I can read the Bible, and it's like, ouch. I mean, it'll, it, it, it's, it's not only an equal opportunity sower, it's an equal opportunity offender. Like, it'll just mess with you, and it'll convict you and grow you, but when you, when you, you really think about it, though, there's some, so many counterintuitive things. It would be totally opposite from how culture or your feelings might say it. One I thought about was forgiving. I mean, have you ever had to forgive someone? And and I, and I know there's people listening to me. You've had like terrible, terrible, gro- grossly abusive, negligent, whatever, intentional, willful things happen to you and you're like, pastor, this is just so severe. It's like, it's so painful. And I know, because I've been a pastor for many years. I, I realize like you, you've had those things happen. We've all even had, you know, just a, a slight or a, Or a comment or a or 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 something happened. It's just like, man, like, and and we know, if you don't know, I want to share with you, like the word of God says that that if you don't forgive, like you're the one that's tormented. So it's like you have no option as a believer but to forgive. I mean, Jesus tells a story of one being forgiven of you know, like massive amounts of things and then going and trying to, you know, be aggressive with someone who, who there's a minuscule thing that's been offended. Like, like it's it, the Bible basically paints the picture that we've been forgiven to such a great degree that the natural response for us in relationship to how much Jesus has forgiven us, but that doesn't make it easy. So I know I've had things in my life, it's just like, oh man, I, I mean, I've, I've had as a pastor, as a friend, and you're just like, wow, I don't, but but here's, here's how the Bible changes you. It's that's what God says. I begin to embrace it, I get faith, no matter what my feeling is, I begin to act on it, and then I see, oh God, what you said is true. I would not be in ministry today if I didn't learn what the Bible says about forgiving because I've had things happen and gross injustices and people and things that have happened along the way. And many, many a pastor, and you translate it to your world, today are bitter people, they are hard people, they are people that don't love people, why? Because you have to live that forgiveness thing. So I know it's true. Lord, it's a freeing thing to the soul, but man, it's hard to do. Let me hit one that'll really get in your kitchen, tithing. I mean, that's the God of our area. If a little bit's good, more is better. Tithing, the Bible, and by the way, there are people who have never heard this, that God says, I give you all of it, 10% return to me. The first fruits of your life return to me, not even given to me, return to me, bring my blessing on all of it. It's a principle all the way through the Bible. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus affirms the principle. Malachi says, look, God will pour out his blessing. So, so, so let's just think about it logically. 10% of my income, return it to God through the local church. Crazy. Well, that's nuts. But as someone who's done it since I was a kid, you say, Lord, I see this in your word, I don't care about my feelings, I'm gonna do what you say, and I'm going to step out in faith, and over time, you see God honor that. And I want you to, I want you to know, in me working with people privately, here's what I've learned. And I, and I have a lot of people doing small groups that, that don't ever get there. They don't get there, they don't ever get there in, in multiple areas, but here's what I learned was the, the hang up. Not do they believe the word says it, but the word hasn't changed their feelings enough to get them to do it. Because ultimately, the only way you obey God is that you have less fear, sometimes you have to do it afraid, but you don't let fear dominate your heart as much as you have more trust in God's word than fear as your motivation. I would love, 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 love as a result of our little moment together. If if it's not tithing yet, Maybe God will get you to that one. Whatever it is, when you read it in this word, go, this is crazy. I'm going to do it. You know, that's how you get saved, by the way. This whole salvation thing is a crazy story. There's a God who became a man who lived a sinless life, who died on a cross but rose from the dead and lives in your heart. But you know how you get saved? That's crazy. I'm gonna trust him with my whole life. Who cares if it's crazy to me? If the word says it, that settles it. God's smarter than me, maybe there's a perspective I haven't seen, so I'm not gonna live in fear and live in lack and less than what God's plan ultimately is for me, so I'm gonna let it change my thinking. That's what I'm gonna do. It'll change you, it'll direct you. Did you know God's word will direct your life? It speaks of all the things that we a lot of times are looking for direction in. It talks to us about marriage. It talks to us about parenting. It'll talk to you about your money. It'll talk to you about stewardship. It'll talk to you about your purpose. It'll talk to you about your mission. It has it there. It's in there. It's like the ragu recipe. It's in there. It's in there. Just you may not have ever tasted it, but it's in there. Now, I wanna give you just a little thought about the word, though, that sometimes trips people up. The Bible has multiple different genres of communication. There's narrative, there's poetry, there's wisdom literature, there's prophecy. But I wanna hone in on something that's really important because I think sometimes people get confused. They, They don't understand that as you look through the Old Testament, the Old Testament is revealing to us this person of Jesus. The Old Testament is inspired. The new, t- every all 66 books are inspired, but there's different language. For instance, wisdom literature. Let me just pick one topic. Sometimes you will read the wisdom literature, it may, and you may see, see this principle. It says that the debtor is slave to the lender. That the that that you now are in bondage at some level or obligation to the lending. And some people would think, was well, God saying we should never ever borrow money? Well, anyone who knows knows there's different kinds of debt. There's consumer debt and there's, there's debt that builds equity. And, and yet, what is God actually saying there? He's not making a command, do not ever have debt. He's saying, when you enter this world, you need to make sure you have my wisdom on it because this is the parameters that you are now entering into. However, and people get confused by this, when you enter into the gospels and the letters, there's multiple places where you hear and see God say, do not, do not. Flee sexual immorality, do not this, do not that. It's very important because if you get confused by those things, you can lead to the ditches that humanity has gotten into when it comes to the word. One is you can get into legalism, where you're taking principles that God is not dogmatic about, and you have principles without relationship leads to legalism. And you find that people that, some of you may have grown up with that, it's like, man, we majored on the minors. We were majoring on little small, little tidbits of different things that actually repelled people from the gospel message. And we elevated and exalted things that the Bible doesn't elevate and exalt while we minimize things that the Bible does make a big deal out of. And that turns people off and it ultimately makes people quit. But did you know we have another ditch today Antinomianism. You're like, what is that, Pastor? It means lawlessness. And so today, legalism isn't as big of a challenge. What's the bigger challenge today is, we actually believe because God is gracious, He has no principles or rules. And so we get saturated in an environment and it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. The apostle Paul addresses the issue, should we sin more that grace might abound? He says, may it never be. So God is fully gracious, but also fully just. And so, I mean, I say this to young people today. You know, you go through swings. I grew up in a church where it was like, hell and it's hot and fire and thump the Bible on you. Boom, you know, we had Bible carriers. But then now today, you know, I, I hang out with young people, I'm like, they're like, don't be legalistic. I'm like, you could use some legalism. You, you could actually use some principles and rules because the Bible in the New Testament still shows us that God has principles not out of legalism, out of love. Did you know a lawless world is not a loving world or a safe world? God puts boundaries on the road so we don't die in the ditch out of his love for us. The final thing is God's word helps us. It will help you. If you are hopeless, you can find hope in a God who knew you would have the tribulation but loves you in the midst of the challenge that you're facing. Jesus actually said, you're gonna have tribulation. I've overcome the world. It encourages you when you need hope. It, it helps you when you're discouraged. It's there to direct you, guide you, love you. You can, you can receive help from the Word of God. Here's one that I'll give you that I see in operation a lot of times and I'm always passionate about, just where you get the Word and it starts working for you. This is a passion for my, of mine. Ephesians 6 talks about that we're facing a battle. In fact, when I get ready to preach every weekend, I think about this all the battles that you're facing, because we get your prayer requests. And as a pastor, I know, man, you just, if we were to stand up at every campus or online, say, Pastor, here's what I'm facing, here's what I'm facing, we don't have time to do that, we look like we're all good and together and everything's great, but it's like, we'd be amazed at the battles people are facing. And they're fighting real battles. And Ephesians 6 tells us that God knew we would have a battle, so he gives us some armament and it talks about the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, but did you know out of all of that battle equipment, there's only one offensive weapon? It's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. So if your Bible is something you're intimidated by, if your Bible is something no one's taught you to engage, if you don't know how to grab a few scriptures and apply them, write them on your mirror, put them on your phone, confess them out loud, read them, study the Bible in your home with your family. If it's not something part of your life, here's what happens. You've got a lot of defensive equipment, but you find yourself doing this a lot. Just trying to stand. And sometimes you just have to stand. But my passion is you don't always just have to stand. You can fight back. You can fight back. So this week, that issue that you've been trying to solve some other way, what if you got some verses of Scripture and began to confess them over your life and over your kids and over your situation, and you're like, I'm doing it, Pastor, and nothing's working. Keep doing it! Keep doing it! Because the Word of God does not return void. Y'all yeah, sound convinced? I am. I'm convinced. I've seen it. Keep on keeping on. Sowing that word, speaking that word, praying that word, confessing that word over that situation, because it is a seed that is growing. It is impossible for it not to do what it does.
0: Miles thanks for being with us today. Hey, I want to encourage you that we're just starting this journey If it's worth it. If you're hopping in for the first time, you haven't missed anything. And we have three ways for you to engage. And I believe that really God is gonna do something special in your life this fall, the life of you and your family. Number one is to attend the series. Let's not miss a week. Every week we're gonna build off the past week and grow together. And so keep showing up, keep tuning in, keep attending. Secondly, if you haven't yet, get your free copy of Pastor Jeff's book, It's Worth It 2.0. You'll see the QR code on the screen or you can text the word book to that phone number. Get that book and journey along. I've been really enjoying as I've started reading that as well. And then lastly, let's gather together. Hop in a small group or grab some coworkers, some family members, some neighbors, and go through the material together. Pastor Jeff shot those videos that go along each week. And so it's super simple to be in a small group or to lead a small group. Well, as we wrap up, I wanna tell you, if you haven't yet watched Next Gen Weekend, go back and watch last weekend's message. You will be so encouraged. It was absolutely phenomenal. The perfect picture of who we are as a church. Other than that, we'll see you back next weekend for It's Worth It.